Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Friday, July 13th, Friday the 13th, 2018. I'm sorry, I'm a day late. Uh, yesterday, we had a rather severe technical problem or denial of service attack on the website. I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, Daniel told me that uh, he was in the process of upgrading some aspects of the site, and he apparently didn't rem remember to tell me, so it may have been that. But uh, I had so many people all over the world saying that they were not able to access the website. It looked to me, and still does, that part of it may have been a uh, denial-of-service attack that was coincident with what Daniel was doing. But in any case, we are back. I'm a day late. Um, I had intended to talk about all of this yesterday. But uh, I want to talk about what is going on in Great Britain, not primarily in connection with President Trump's summit with Prime Minister May, but um, briefly to recall some events and to look at this from a wider geopolitical perspective and give you my usual high-octane speculation as to what I think may be going on behind the scenes with this visit. The first article I've linked for you there, I'm not going to read it or any part of it, but I do want to mention this. The first article that I am going to link on YouTube is a Zero Hedge article about Nigel Farage, who was, of course, the leader of the UKIP party in Great Britain. That was the party that literally drove the Brexit referendum and turned that into a success. Uh, he is threatening to return, <coughs> pardon me, as, as the party leader for UKIP if Brexit doesn't get moving. Now, this has been the big problem that uh, my friends in the United Kingdom that were uh, Brexit voters have pointed out to me that the May government is moving very, very slowly, and for them... Uh, in a fashion that is not too good. So this last week, and I will get back to President Trump in, in a moment, but this last week, there have been some bombshell resignations from Prime Minister May's cabinet, not the least of which was David Davies and Boris Johnson. I happened to, you know, I, I knew Boris as an acquaintance. I knew who he was. Uh, back when I was in Oxford and he was running for the presidency of the Oxford Union Society. So, you know, part of this takes me back. The second article that I've linked there, I do want to read from because this, folks, is huge. Uh, this article is called An Absolute Bombshell Brexit Ministers Davis Baker and Braverman Quit in a Blow to Theresa May. I want to read you the entirety of Prime Minister May's letter, which is cited in the Zero Hedge article, and I want to zero in on uh, a few paragraphs in this letter that Prime Minister May wrote to David Davis's resignation. So here, here we go, and then I will read Davis's actual letter, uh, portions of it that he wrote to Prime Minister May and then give you what I suspect is taking place behind the scenes, all right? Now, recall, these resignations hit right before 
President Trump's visit to the United Kingdom. And the timing here is very, very crucial, I think. So here we go with Prime Minister May's letter to David Davis, and I'm reading them out of order deliberately because I want to point out a few things that Davis said in his letter to Prime Minister May. All right, this is Prime Minister May. Dear David, thank you for your letter explaining your decision to resign as Secretary of State for exiting the European Union. I'm sorry that you have chosen to leave the government when we have already made so much progress toward delivering a smooth and successful Brexit, and when we are only eight months from the date set in law when the United Kingdom will leave the European Union. At Checkers on Friday, we as the Cabinet agreed a comprehensive and detailed proposal which provides a precise, responsible, and credible basis for progressing our negotiations toward a new relationship between the United Kingdom and the European Union after we leave in March. We set out how we would deliver on the result of the referendum and the commitments we made in our manifesto for the 2017 general election. Number one, leaving the European Union on the 29th of March, 2019. Number two, ending free movement and taking back control of our borders. See, again, that's always an issue. Number three, no more spending vast sums of money each, no more sending vast sums of money each year to the European Union. Number four, a new business-friendly customs model with freedom to strike new trade deals around the world. Pay attention to that one. It's coming back. Number five, a United Kingdom EU free trade area with common rule book for industrial goods and agricultural products, which will be good for jobs. Number six, a, in other words, point number five wants to return to the common market that used to be and not the current EU scheme. So in other words, these are very important points that Prime Minister May is laying out. Number six, a commitment to maintain high standards on consumer and employment rights and the environment. Number seven, a parliamentary lock on all new rules and regulations. In other words, no more regulations being promulgated by unelected bureaucrats from Brussels that are binding on the entire European Union without uh, the Parliament of the United Kingdom approving it. Number eight, leaving the common agricultural policy and the common fisheries policy. Number nine, restoring the supremacy of British courts by ending the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice in the United Kingdom. Number 10, that certainly seems sane. Number 10, no hard border between Northern Ireland and Ireland or between Northern Ireland and Great Britain. Number 11, continued close cooperation on security to keep our people safe. And number 12, an independent foreign and defense policy, working closely with the European Union and other allies. This is consistent with the mandate of the referendum and with the commitments we laid out in our general election manifesto leaving the single market and the customs union, but seeking a deep and special partnership, including a comprehensive free trade and customs agreement, ending the vast annual contributions to the European Union and pursuing fair orderly negotiations, minimizing disruption and giving as much certainty as possible so both sides could benefit. As we said in our manifesto, we believe it is necessary to agree to the terms of our future partnership alongside our withdrawal. 
reaching agreement on both within the two years allowed by Article 50. That would be the article of the Maastricht-Lisbon Treaty that established the EU. I have always agreed with you that these two must go alongside one another, but if we are to get sufficient detail about our future partnership, we need to act now. We have made a significant move. It is for the European Union now to respond in the same spirit. I do not agree with your characterization of the policy we agreed at Cabinet on Friday. Parliament will decide whether or not to back the deal the government negotiates, but that deal will undoubtedly mean the returning of powers from Brussels to the United Kingdom. The direct effect of European Union law will end when we leave the European Union. Where the United Kingdom chooses to apply a common rule book, each rule will have to be agreed to by Parliament. And so on and so forth. Signed, yours sincerely, Theresa May. All right. Now, you'll note that border control, the refugee crisis is part of the problem, but the basic tenor of Prime Minister May's remarks about her program is ending a common European defense, restoring sovereignty to the United Kingdom's military, and then uh, coordinating defense and security policy, not only with the European, but other allies, and then negotiating new trade deals. All right, that's key. And you'll notice that one little point in there that kind of indicated that as far as Britain was concerned, a return to the previous common market uh, ideal would be much better than the current EU bureaucracy. All right, now, with that in mind, here is David Davies' letter of resignation. And I want you to listen very, very closely to this because this is the letter that Prime Minister May is responding to. And he has, he points out kind of in between the lines in many places, much more directly in other places, what the whole problem is. Dear Prime Minister, as you know, there have been a significant number of occasions in the last year or so on which I have disagreed with the number 10, 10 Downing Street policy line, ranging from accepting the Commission's sequencing of negotiations to the language on Northern Ireland in the December joint report. At each stage, I have accepted collective responsibility because it is part of my task to find workable compromises and because I considered it was still possible to deliver on the mandate of the referendum and on our manifesto commitment to leave the customs union and single market. I am afraid that I think the current trend of policy and tactics, listen carefully, is making that look less and less likely. So in other words, what he's saying is the May government is really not serious about Brexit. Continuing, whether it is the progressive dilution of what I thought was a firm checkers agreement in February on the right to diverge or the unnecessary delays of the start of the white paper, that would be the paper implementing the policies to get out of the European Union, or the presentation of a backstop proposal that omitted the strict conditions that I requested and believed that we had agreed the general direction of policy will leave us at best in a weak negotiating position and possibly an inescapable one. The cabinet decision on Friday crystallized this problem. In my view, the inevitable consequence of the proposed policies will be to make the supposed control by parliament illusory 
rather than real. As I said at Cabinet, the common rulebook policy hands control of large swaths of our economy to the European Union and is currently not returning control of our laws in any real sense. I am also unpersuaded that our negotiating pro approach will not just lead to further demands for concessions. Of course, this is a complex area of judgment, and it is possible that you are right and I am wrong. However, even in that event, it seems to me that the national interest requires the Secretary of State in my department that is an enthusiastic believer in your approach and not merely a reluctant conscript. While I have been grateful to, for you to, to you for the opportunity to serve, it is with great regret that I must tender my resignation from the cabinet with immediate effect. Yours ever, David Davis. So that was followed, of course, with uh, the resignation of Boris Johnson. And then, of course, the Trump summit. Now, What's interesting to me is that these resignations occurred before the interview that President Trump gave where he said, if there's no Brexit, in other words, he was, you'll recall Trump in his typical fashion was very blunt, very direct. If the May government can't get its act together and agree to get out of the EU, if there's no Brexit, then there's no trade deal with the United States. Now, that's interesting to me because in the immediate aftermath of the Brexit vote, one of the things I predicted was that there would be a certain segment within the British oligarchy that would begin to try and push a revivification of the Commonwealth. And that indeed happened. And you'll recall that there was even talk about ascending, uh, giving uh, associate membership to the United States in the Commonwealth and that Trump said, well, he would think about it, all right? Now, I suspect that these resignations have much to do with that trade deal that Mr. Trump says is not going to happen if there's no Brexit, because recall, he's also trying to put pressure on the European Union to uh, pay more for its own defense, and he's been vilified in the press about uh, having kind of a, a double standard there. Um, like we might say the same thing about Frau Merkel in, and gas pipelines with Russia at the same time that she's vilifying Russia for its role in occupying the Ukraine, which I don't, uh, I don't, pardon me, its role in, in trying to get the Ukraine back, which I don't believe for a moment. I think that's that whole Ukrainian mess was made and manufactured in the West, largely by Paris and Berlin. But let's get back to that trade deal and the unusual event of the president having tea with Queen Elizabeth II at uh, Windsor Castle. Now, I suspect here that this tea is more than just a formal occasion and that behind the scenes, this has much to do with Brexit and the trade deal. Why? You recall, I want you to go back and remember that prior to the Brexit referendum, and indeed prior to the May government uh, taking power, when the Cameron government was still in power, that the Queen had invited the Vice Premier, the Vice Prime Minister, around to the palace for dinner. Okay, now 
whether you like it or not, folks, when the queen calls you up and invites you around to the palace, particularly if you're a member of the government, for tea and dinner, you go. <laughs> okay, this, this get out of your head, folks, this American notion that the monarchy in Great Britain is just a figurehead. It's not. There are actual powers that the crown still has. They haven't exercised them in quite a while, but they do from time to time do that, okay? And the vice premier went around to the palace for tea and dinner with the queen. And remember what the subject of the conversation was. The queen, according to the reportage given in The Sun and other British tabloids, asked the vice premier, can you name three good things or beneficial things to the United Kingdom about the European Union. That was the topic, reportedly, of the conversation. Now, if that's true, I strongly suspect that this was the crown's way of signaling and symbolizing uh, displeasure in the way things have worked out regarding the European Union, um, which is odd because, of course, this ultimately was one of the things that brought, brought Mrs. Thatcher down as well. So I suspect behind the scenes there is some real genuine uh, factional infighting taking place here. And as the resignation of Mr. Davis in particular, the letter itself, the way it reads to me, it's looking more and more like the perception that many Britons have that voted for the Brexit, that this is being stalled and delayed deliberately, and that the government may not indeed be serious about it, may have some traction, because now we're getting and hearing the same thing at the cabinet level, all right? I suspect that that group that was in favor of the Brexit not only wanted to get out from under the thumb of Brussels and therefore out from under the thumb of Berlin and all the chaos that Frau Merkel's policies have delivered to the European Union, but that as a consequence of getting out, they wanted to uh, turn to the special relationship not only with the United States but with the rest of the Commonwealth nations. This, if that suspicion is true, then this story isn't over yet. And something I suspect is going to break uh, further on within the next few weeks that will give us some sort of indicator. Now, for the moment, forget any ideas about the May government collapsing. However, it's certainly in a weakened position, just as is Merkel's government in Germany. Uh, and... For that matter, the French aren't doing too well by themselves either. The only strong government right now in the European Union of a major power is, in fact, in Italy, and they're getting along very well with the current administration in Washington. So I think we're going to see some more news in the next few weeks on whether or not this reading of the situation in the United Kingdom is correct or what has is often the case with my high-octane speculations, wildly off the mark. Um, I suspect that, that the pro-EU and pro-Brexit factions are both represented within the royal family. 
uh, just as they are within the rest of, of Britain. But the fact of the matter is Queen Elizabeth is still the queen. <laughs> so I think she may have signaled her preferences in that very strange meeting that occurred with the vice premier prior to the Brexit referendum. So lots going on, lots to watch. Uh, Britain's not out of it yet. And in fact, the way things are looking, I think Britain is going to be front and center in the next few weeks, depending on how all of this is resolved or not resolved by the May government. If she doesn't resolve it, then yes, I think she might be facing a collapse of her government. So anyway, but that's that's down the line. It's not here yet. So hold your breath, eat your popcorn, and watch this one, folks. And we'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.